0: Good evening, folks. 609, actually 610 in the Twin Cities. Hope you're having a great Saturday evening. Little chilly out there. I'm going to say like kind of very chilly. At least it feels that way because the the change has been so abrupt. Uh, We actually have a shortened show today. Um, Let me just give you like an outline of what we're going to have uh, coming up later this hour, we are going to have Lindsay Gensel, if that name sounds familiar. It should. She is the producer for Chad Hartman. And in addition to being the extraordinary producer for Chad Hartman, she is also a Crock-Pot influencer. And for those of you who are not like up on uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians or Instagram, it means that a lot of people look to Lindsay for ideas and suggestions and recipes for the crockpot for um the Instapot on Instagram, and people who have enough you know interest and people who are following them, they can be considered influencers so Lindsey Gensel, a different facet to her talent she 's going to talk about being a quote crockpot influencer uh, so we 're going to talk to her in just a few minutes, and then also uh, coming up in the next half hour we 're going to talk to Jessica Hilde. she is a model actually i 've known her. Uh, for a long time. She's, you know, a a beautiful person. She's, uh, you know, somebody who has been a successful model. She's written a book about children and young people in modeling. And there are a number of stories out there today. Actually, there's a story out there that just broke late this afternoon. There's a young girl. She's only 14 years old, 14 years old. And she was hired to be a model and worked in China. Her family somehow let her go. She's Russian. And she died uh, because of the working conditions there, because of apparently exhaustion. And she was living with some other people in China. Anyway, you know, I think most people would not even consider letting their child go to a situation like that. But there are a lot of conditions, a lot of situations now that people are looking at when it comes to models that people are saying, hey, this is not appropriate. One of them is the weight. and. Certain countries, specifically France, have said when it comes to you know, young people, and most models are often under the age of 18, to have somebody who is seriously underweight or less than a size zero, who is starving themselves, that is not appropriate. And to have skeletal models, that is not appropriate. So we're going to talk to Jessica Hilde about that. And then in the 7 o'clock hour, we'll chat with David Schultz. We usually talk to him in their 8 o'clock hour. Uh, but... In the 8 o'clock hour, Steve Thompson's coming back here. <laughs> He's got a very short break, but there are a lot of very important high school football games, and Steve is going to have the complete rundown on those. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll visit with Lindsay Gensel, a.k.a. the Crockpot influencer, a.k.a. Chad Hartman's producer, uh, about her ideas about the kinds of things you should think about when it comes to crockpot cooking and also maybe this Instapot, which is getting a lot of attention. I bought one. I haven't like gotten it out of the, you know, package yet, but a lot of people say this is the way to go. So keep it right here. You are listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. It is 34 degrees, feeling kind of chilly out there, down to the twenties tonight. So maybe time to kinda make something warm and hearty that you can eat and enjoy for the rest of the week. Well, listen. One of our own, Lindsay Gensel, the producer for Chad Hartman, is also a crockpot influencer. If you don't know what an influencer, it means that people are looking at them, following them, especially on Instagram. And I'm not sure that the term influencer extends to other forms of social media, but people are looking at them to see you know, what they are doing in terms of whatever it is, whether it's fashion or whatever. For Lindsay, it's... The crockpot, it's the Instapot, and she is joining us now, Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thanks for having me. I, I mean, I feel like I've I've peaked if I get to call myself a crockpot influencer, right? Well, Although you... If, if you had said ten years ago that this was on on the horizon, I might have changed okay
0: path a little bit. But but let, I mean, let, let's start. Okay, so you are um, a thirty something producer. You've got a big job. You're producing for a big-time radio host, Chad Hartman. God knows what that entails. Very demanding. Very demanding. (laughs) Over the top. But you also have this passion for cooking, and you have actually focused on Crock-Pot. And so how did did you kind of fall into this?
2: Well, it's the simplicity of it. I mean, the whole idea behind a Crock-Pot, and let me clarify, because Uh, I compare a Crock-Pot to when you ask for a Kleenex. Crock-Pot is the name of a brand. It's the name of a product that was put out. What we're really talking about is a slow cooker, but think about it. We all call them Crock-Pot, regardless of what brand you have. So the Crock-Pot, you know, it came out in the 1970s, and, and we all kind of think of it as this thing that you use at a family gathering or at a employee potluck, something that you can take somewhere and plug in and forget about. But in the in the grand scheme of things in our, our day-to-day lives, there's nothing better than meal prepping on a Sunday. And I, now I'm talking, you cut up your veggies, you get your meat ready, you get all of your seasonings ready to go. And I honestly, I put them into a giant freezer bag in my fridge labeled with which day I'm cooking it on. I get up in the morning. I put it in the car. Can you you come to
0: my house and do that tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I, I literally have two teenagers and I like, you know, I'm like barely making it in the door at like 625 or 630 or 635. And they're like, we're starving. We have no food.
2: (laughs) And that's that's the best part about it. You know, I don't have children. My boyfriend and I live together, but we're both. In busy season, and when it gets dark and you get home, the last thing you want to do is plan a meal. And I think in all honesty, if if you asked people the biggest struggle that they have when it comes to this idea of running a successful household, it's meal planning. I think so many people get overwhelmed by it, and they think that it has to be some – grand plan every single night, and that's really not the case. One of my uh, my favorite chefs to follow, Rick Bayless, he has a great line, and he's actually added in slow cooker marinades, and you can get it at any of your grocery stores. It's these great packets. I actually discovered him because he makes a fantastic pre-made guacamole mix, and he's got a a regular and a spicy, and you just add the the avocados to it. Well, I went looking for it one day and found that he had added in these slow cooker marinades that are just fantastic, and there's something about coming home to that smell, you know, when you've been cooking all day, but in this sense, you aren't doing any work. You're at work. It's plugged in. You don't have to worry about it. And I think it's interesting, you know. You opened the segment talking about cold weather and how we crave warm foods. I sometimes, when it gets too hot in the summer, use the slow cooker simply so I don't have to turn on the oven or the
0: stove. Outside. Yes, yes. We we yeah. We have an older home, and and it's it the stove when we turn that on, it heats up just the kitchen and just you know the the hallway adjoining yeah. it and everything like that. But so let me ask you. So you actually prepare the foods on Sunday, and then you've got them in the freezer, and then do you do do a whole week? I do probably about four
2: meals. So how we look at our week is we'll cook together on a Sunday night, and then I'll have meal-prepped everything for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with the idea that we typically go out to eat on a Friday evening. And if we don't, it's one of those nights where I don't mind coming home and, and putting something together. And, and I just to clarify, I don't actually put them into the freezer. I put them right into the fridge. And I've kind of come up with um, a, a trick that works for me. One of the things I think people worry about with a crock pot is not having marinated meat. You're not going to have a flavorful meat because it's just been sitting in this slow cooker all day. Now, it, obviously, if you're using, like, um, a pork shoulder or a fatty piece of meat, that that fat's going to really sink in there and make a delicious Cut When you get home, but for some people, you know, just throwing chicken in there doesn't do it for them. So there's a couple of things I do. One, if you sear the outside of your meat before you put it into the the crock pot. Now, this is adding a step.
0: This is something
2: that you kind of have to commit to doing. You're going to get a little bit more flavor and texture out of it. Now, what I do is I load my freezer bag with my smallest veggies first, because those in a sense are you want them at the top of the crock pot because they're going to take the least amount of time to cook. Then I'm going to put in my heartier veggies, so my my red potatoes, my carrots, anything that is going to need a little bit more heat towards the bottom. And then I put in my meat. And I put my meat in at the bottom or at the top of the bag. I add in all my seasonings and my liquids, and then I put it into a bowl flipped upside down. So in a sense, then my meat is at the opening, but it's flipped upside down in the bowl. And all of those juices, all of the seasoning is going to sit there with it. And then, when it's time to go put everything into the crock pot, it's layered and ready to go, and I don't have to do anything except for open the bag and dump
0: okay so so and you you so you have the meat at, you know, in inversely, you've got the meat at the top, and then so when you dump it, or you've got the meat at the bottom. so when when you dump it, the meat is at the bottom. The meat is at the so it,
2: it's a little confusing. When I fill my bag, I fill it like you would normally fill any bag. But I put the meat in at the top, and then when it's me, okay. inside the fridge marinating, I've got the bag flipped upside down. Got it, got a, it. Okay. In, a, in a, a, a bowl, you know, just to catch okay. anything that might
0: spill. Okay. Uh, so let me ask you, because, like, you know, I, I am not on Instagram, but I got on my daughter's Instagram to look at it. And actually, actually I could find her Instagram, actually, just by looking up Lindsay Gensel, you know, L I N D S A Y G U E N T Z E L. And so I found her Instagram. But is that where you have all the recipes and tips like that?
2: I post some of them on there. I'm, I'm trying to get better about posting stuff online. I actually do have two recipes. I'll shoot Dan Cook the link to it that I have up at WCCO.com that I added in uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I've got a buffalo chicken crock pot soup, which Ooh. is delicious. Uh, really hearty, really nice. You do a little blue cheese crumble on top. And then I also have a chili garlic pork shoulder that's got a lot of heat in it and is amazing.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, and, and so how long, you know, is this something you've just always done? And, and then or let me ask you quickly too, um, a is this something you've always done? But also how about the Instapot? Uh, you know, have you used an Instapot and what are your thoughts about that?
2: I've been doing crock pots for about five years, and I will tell you, I just inherited a pressure cooker. It's not an Instant Pot, but it's the exact same thing. Instant Pot, again, is just a brand name. I'm obsessed. What I love about a pressure cooker, if you've got an extra $100 sitting around, invest in it because you can do everything immediately. You can put your meat, so for instance, the other night I made this delicious smoky bacon chili. You put your meat right in there, your ground beef. You can sear it. You use it as a pan like you would on the stove, and then you add in all of your veggies, your liquids, your seasoning, and you pressure cook it, and it under ten minutes, and your meal is ready to go.
0: Really? Okay. Because yes. I mean, that's that's what I mean. That's what I have read about, and and yes. it's apparently that quick.
2: It's that quick. And what I love about it, and the difference between this and and a, a slow cooker is a slow cooker sometimes your veggies get overcooked. It's just it's, – it's something that happens. There's just no way around it, and that's why layering your veggies by the largest ones to the smallest ones is really important. With a, a pressure cooker or the Instant Pot, you're getting a really nice steam to it, and veggies that you could overcook on the stove, like carrots right. or broccoli or onion, come out perfectly.
0: In in, in, this, in the pressure cooker? In the pressure cooker. Okay. All right, Lindsay, where can people find – your recipes and and you know find what you're doing because it sounds I mean it sounds like you are really um, I mean you, it, sounds, it sounds like you could do this almost full time if you if you didn't have a full time job which you do <laughs> I would lo- well I would love
2: to do it full time I'll do this I've got access to our Facebook page facebook.com uh, uh, Facebook.com slash wcco radio I'll throw that link up there right now that's got the link to the two recipes uh, before I let you go the one thing you have to know when it comes to a crock pot don't open the lid and don't stir it. Every time you open that lid, you're adding another 15 to 20 minutes to the cook time. Really? And I know it's so tempting to smell it or to make sure it's cooking. Just trust the process and don't stir it because you're just going to interrupt what's happening and it, it just it's just one of the things you just got to let it go.
0: All right. L- let me ask you like, you know, in terms of Crock-Pot cooking, like let's say you you have it and so you 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 put it in there, you know, in the morning when you leave. What happens if you get kind of hung up at work and it's another, quote, two hours, you know, before you or you, you get in, you know, you get back home like an hour or two later? Does that affect things?
2: For the most part, you should be fine within there. The liquid is really going to make sure that your meat doesn't dry out. Now, again, if you're going to have veggies in there, you have to keep in mind that a lot of veggies have high water content, especially things like, onions, carrots, any sort of leafy green that you put in there, and that's going to add more liquid in there. One thing that I I keep in mind is that if I'm using a meat that has fat in it, like, for instance, a pork shoulder, I always put the pork shoulder in, fat side up. So as it heats up, that fat is sinking down into the meat, and you're really not going to go wrong with an extra hour or two in there. Because it's just, it's soaking up that fat and it's just going to fall apart. It's going to be great.
0: Okay. And so you're going to put your recipes on the WCCO Radio Facebook page. I will post them right now. Okay. Well, Lindsay, this is great. Well, I I think this is really cool. And obviously it's a passion for you. And um, it it sounds great. And I'll have to check it out. And maybe I'll, as I said, I I bought an Instapot and I I haven't gotten it out of the box yet. I feel really badly about that.
2: I'm coming over. I'm coming over. You're coming over? I'm coming over, yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. In in all honesty, the the pressure cooker is a game changer, and I know people people are a little intimidated by it because there's a there's a
0: well, there's so many things it can do, and I'm just not sure. So it can it can make pudding and rice and all this stuff, and then and then I'm worried. Like everybody says, it can make things so quickly, and I'm just like, okay, but what if I want to do what what you're talking about, which is like you know putting something in, you know. At 7.30 in the morning, you know, will it still not be overdone at, you know, 6.30 at night? Well, the, the smartest
2: thing to do, whether you're using a slow cooker or a pressure cooker, is to do that prep. Whether it's Saturday afternoon or Sunday or even Monday night while you're making dinner. Right. Make extras for the week because then you're not going to be overwhelmed when it comes time to, and you can decide, am I putting it in the morning in a slow cooker, or am I going to make this at night when I get home in the pressure cooker?
0: Right, because the pressure cooker, it, it, it's that quick. and, 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 oh, and yeah. And, and the Instapot can, can also work as a slow cooker, as I understand it, it.
2: Yes, it can. There's just a different way of how you're going to go about using it. Right,
0: and, and that's that's what I'm worried about, the, the technology. But, I mean, to have it prepped, I mean, that's the thing, because it, it ain't happening at our house with with – Two teenagers trying to get ready for school and the homework and the breakfast and the hockey equipment or the tennis equipment. I mean, I'm just – it's like we barely make it out of the house, you know, in one piece, uh, you know, on weekdays. So great information. Um, So, folks, go to our website, WCCO Radio Facebook, and look for Lindsay's recipes. And keep posting stuff because you obviously know what you're talking about, and we all need the help, Lindsay.
2: I will pass it along. Okay, I will. great. I've, in fact, I've actually – I've had a few requests from people in the office because I brought in my uh, smoky bacon chili for lunch.
0: Ooh. I think
2: a couple people caught a, a whiff of it, and yeah. so I've got a request. So I just have to sit down and, and write it out on paper, and I will pass it along.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Lindsay Gensel, uh crockpot influencer, also, a.k.a. – and maybe this will be sort of, you know, maybe someday the former – producer for Chad Hartman. I hope he's not listening, <laughs> but anyway. Okay, Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great okay. night, Esme. All right. She obviously knows what she's ta- talking about. I mean, I just, okay. I just have to, maybe I need to have her come over to my house on Sundays, do the prep with the upside down bags with the layered meat, veggies, small veggies, and then I can do it. If she, maybe Lindsay needs to put together kits And people have made a lot of money off of this. You know, put together the kits and then have it all ready, and then we can all do it. So, all right, sounds great. Wonderful person, Lindsay Gensel. Look for those recipes, WCCO Radio Facebook page. All right, we are going to take a break. In fact, I'm running a little late. Uh, We're going to take a break. We're going to give you some weather. And then when we come back... Uh, somebody I've known for a long time, uh, she is a beautiful woman, Jessica Hilde, a model and author, talking about uh, what you need to know about the modeling industry. I know a lot of young people, especially young girls, are hoping to become models. There's a lot of information out there, a lot of misinformation about there, and Jessica Hilde is going to help us with that. So keep it right here. You are listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. Radio. It's 34 degrees in the Twin Cities, feeling a little chilly out there because of the sudden change. And just, you know, a few, uh, a week ago or so, it was, you know, what, in the 60s, 70s? Colder today, but uh, hey, it's uh, late October in Minnesota. Uh, I do want to let you know we are trying to reach Jessica Hilde, who is a model and author. Uh, There have been a number of reports of the dangers of modeling, the dangers and the problems with having women who are less than a size zero, uh, forced starvation. Uh, There was also actually a story that just broke today that was really scary about a 14-year-old who had gone, a a Russian girl, uh, child really at 14, who had gone to China to start a modeling career and was basically working uh, almost 24-7 and actually died. Uh, and she apparently had an undiagnosed case of meningitis. Uh, So we were going to talk about the dangers of the modeling industry and what you need to know with Jessica Hilde, but uh, hopefully we will be able to reach her. But if we can't, we can't. also want to let you know uh, that at 7 o'clock we have David Schultz, uh, who I normally talk to in the 8 o'clock hour about politics, and as always there is a ton going on in the world of politics But uh, we are having him in the 7 o'clock hour because there is a lot going on with high school football. So Mr. Steve Thompson that you listen to here on the weekends in the afternoons, he is coming back from 8 to 10 to give you the latest on the local scene on high school football. So we will um, uh, have an abbreviated show for my show, but then at 8 o'clock from 8 to 10, uh, we'll have Steve Thompson who will break all of that down for you. Um, You know, just speaking of football, I actually was uh, filling in for John Hines uh, yesterday and there was a story that was breaking uh, because Aaron Rodgers was on uh, a talk show, one of the national talk shows. I think he was on Conan O'Brien in which he said or claimed that Anthony Barr had uh, given an obscene gesture or flashed an obscene gesture towards him and then kind of mouthed off and disrespected him after that Tackle a few weeks ago, in which Rogers uh, suffered a broken collarbone, was knocked out for the entire season. And uh, Barr is firing back here, and he is not uh, denying that he may have given an obscene gesture, but he is saying that um, it was Aaron Rodgers who fired back at him with the f bombs and all of that kind of thing. So. If you're following football, I guess that goes on. There was no penalty called. I think people – there are some people who I've heard say maybe it was not a clean hit. Maybe it wasn't a clean hit. There was certainly no penalty. It kind of looked like an ordinary hit to me, but I'm just a casual, uh, albeit passionate football fan. But it looked kind of like the kind of hits you see in football most of the time. So uh, Vikings' Anthony Barr fires back saying, hey, it was Aaron Rodgers who started it after that hit. All right, folks, um, we are following um, a number of things here. Again, at our 7 o'clock hour, we will have Professor David Schultz of Hamlin University. He is going to be um, talking about all things politics, a lot going on this week with the president. Uh, The president uh, basically declaring a national opioid health emergency uh, earlier this week, and last night I did have the privilege of hosting an event for the Steve Rumler Hope Foundation in which there was a lot of discussion about that. The Steve Rumler Hope Foundation or Steve Rumler Hope Network is a nonprofit uh, dedicated to providing uh, and raising money, providing uh, education, and also uh, money for antidotes, Narcan, uh, Naloxone, for people who are overdosing. And, you know, there was a lot of discussion there about what the president did, what he didn't do, uh, and and how much needs to be done for this horrific problem. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, was interesting is I think a lot of people there at this event, this this gala, which was a fundraiser, were basically saying that what the president did by talking about this was that he did put it uh, on the front burner. And I think... uh, you know, whatever you think of President Trump, I do think that 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 is something that is significant. It's something that's important. The president, by by talking about this, really, uh, you know, jump started a national dialogue that needs to be, you know, needs to happen because of the, the numbers of deaths. Um, Sixty-four thousand people died last year from. This con- from opioid overdoses. And it's, it's an epidemic. It's hitting here in Minnesota. I think 170 people die each day nationally. At least two people die in the state of Minnesota every single day from an opioid overdose. And the discussion essentially focused on um, did the president do enough and if you want to give me a call, uh, 651-989-9226, 989 9226 or text me, 81807, that's 81807, I will get our text line up. You know, I think the fact that the president did talk about this, put it on the front page, and w- within you know hours of the president talking about this, Governor Dayton released a statement saying that the he was backing a proposed law which has the backing of state senator Chris Eaton who's a democrat uh, from Brooklyn Center, uh representative Dave Baker who is a republican from Wilmer. That law would call calls for a penny per milligram dose of opioid per pill. In other words, if an opioid pill uh is prescribed and it has a higher dose of opioid in it, uh, the penny will be like, in other words, uh, there might be like, you know, five pennies per pill depending on the dosage of that opioid. And the requirement would be that there would be at least one penny per pill for every opioid pill prescribed in the state of Minnesota would go to a specific fund to help raise awareness, to provide treatment, uh, to provide money for this antidote naloxone or Narcan, uh, so that it could get into the hands of not just first responders, but also get into the hands of those who might need it, who who have loved ones who are hooked and and are, you know, abusing these drugs. And so there was that discussion uh, uh, about that. Um, Governor Dayton's plan came out. Also what came out, you know, 24 hours after the president Uh, mentioned this, is that both uh, Senators Amy Klobuchar and Senator Al Franken wrote a letter together to the president urging uh, or saying that they would like to see the government and state governments be able to negotiate with the drug manufacturers to get lower prices for naloxone or Narcan. And so a lot going on in this, but, you know, a lot of people saying the president didn't go far enough. And there were a lot of stories at this event that I hosted you know, really difficult stories about people who had lost loved ones from either a heroin overdose or an opioid overdose from either a prescription medication or an illegal prescription medication. Uh, and so, you know, I'd like to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Uh, do you have somebody that has been affected by this? What kinds of laws do we need to pass does there need to be more education for doctors? And I mentioned this yesterday on the air. Um, I have a teenage son who had, uh, you know, a relatively minor operation. He was knocked out, nothing serious. Uh, he went into a clinic, and uh, when we came out, he was pre- he was prescribed, uh, in addition to antibiotics, he was pre- prescribed. And I I misspoke this yesterday when I was filling in for John Hines. It was not oxycontin. It was oxycodone. And for those uh, listeners out there who corrected me, um, I would like to say thank you. And it it shows the degree to which those of us who are not in the medical field really aren't familiar with this. But I knew enough. I, I knew enough about this to be kind of stunned that that we were getting a prescription along with our little bottle of antibiotics we were getting a prescription for 40 oxycodone pills and he's you know guess he's an adult size but he's still a minor and i knew enough to say you know he doesn't need one of these every 8 hours for pain until they're done, you know, which is normally the course that, that most people run, and so I gave him, I think, you know two four halves of a, a pill, so thirty out of thirty eight or two out of the forty we used thirty eight we did not, but uh, you know nobody said anything to us. Nobody said, "Hey, you better watch out. this could get you in trouble." All right, uh, thanks for the call here. We've got David in South St Paul, and David, I think you've got an interesting perspective. What would you like to say, sir? Well,
1: my perspective is, uh, to a minor extent, from my own use, but uh, from some other people that I know, we're getting people that legitimately need pain medication. Some are in horrible pain. Absolutely. Uh, and, and they are being intimidated right now by all this talk about how the, there's, a, there's abuse out there of these opiates. Now, there, there, there definitely is, to some extent. And we need to talk about. Well, there's it.
0: definitely there's definitely abuse about it. But so you're saying that there are people who really do need this medication, and somehow, are, are you yeah, saying there, it's there hard?
1: There's stories to... about some former military types that have to drive five hours to get a prescription refilled uh, down at the VA center every month, and you can't get a couple months at a time. Uh, you only can get uh, like one month at a time usually on, on most of these opiate uh, medications. Even if your uh, your uh, insurance covers normally a three month supply. Of a medication that's not allowed for some of these narcotics and there, there's a lot of people i feel that are being hurt by this whole thing and there's not enough of an acknowledgement that there's people that really do need these pain medications
0: okay um, well I, I you know i and i invite anybody who's out there uh i mean it's it, you know if you're out there and you're having a hard time and, you know, getting that pain medication filled Call us 651 989 9226 one 866 989 9226 I guess I don't feel getting being asked to renew a prescription every thirty days, I don't see that as a hardship. I, I, I really don't. Uh, I what I question is why aren't why when you get these medications, why aren't we being warned that this could potentially be addictive? I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's a good idea. Uh, are you there? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, but, um, uh, the, I mean, there's some people that have transportation problems. They're taking a bus to get a prescription refilled, and then they show up to, to get the prescription, uh, pick it up, maybe on a Sunday night when uh, the pharmacy's closed early. And uh, so they got to take a transfer to the 24-hour open pharmacy. Uh, again, I, I, I take a mild dose of a narcotic myself and uh, I could if I run out I could I could get by I'll be uh uncomfortable but and it's not that big a deal for me but I know people right now that desperately need some of these pain medications such that they just cannot function without them all right and some of these people are being hurt and and there's just it's good that we address the problems of addiction but we have to also address uh the the problems of some of these people who desperately do need these medications.
0: All right. Well, an excellent perspective. We appreciate that call, sir. Okay, um, thank you. And I invite anybody who wants to comment on that, uh, please give us a call, 651-989-9226, 989 9226 And again, our text line, 81807. That's 81807. We do have to take a break. You are listening to Saturday Night with Esme. Uh, keep it right here, News Radio 830-WCCO. It is 6.54 in the Twin Cities, Esme Murphy with you until 8 o'clock tonight. That's because we have a special edition of High School Football Sports with Steve Thompson. A lot of games going on, section playoffs. Steve's coming back. He's doing double duty today. He'll be back from 8 to 10 o'clock and give you the latest on all the goings-on with High School Football uh, but right now we are talking about we were hoping to actually get uh, an author, and we were not na- not able to connect with uh, Jessica Hilde who 's a model and author about uh, modeling and the dangers and the pitfalls, especially for younger models but and the pressures that are involved, but we are talking right now about the opioid epidemic uh, and I you know getting getting some pushback here, um, including some text, and I will read this text to you. Um, this is from the 651 area code. All medications, no matter narcotic or non-narcotic, come with warnings that people read the enclosures that are given to them at the time that they pick them up. You know something? I, I actually don't think that's enough. And I just gave out an example where, you know, I, I had a kid who had a surgery. Um, you know, he was knocked out. It was outpatient. But along with the... Um, antibiotics, we got pain medication and it said every eight hours as needed for pain. Well, I think a lot of people might give the kid, you know, all the pills. We got 40 pills and they were oxycodone. And no one said, hey, this is highly addictive. A- and maybe I didn't read the fine print. So, you know, that that that's on me. But why when you've got this epidemic, when you've got so many people here who are suffering so much and and how some people there are some people out there who really can get hooked almost instantaneously that is what the research shows why are why not that that simple requirement to have somebody tell you or have the pharmacist tell you or the physician tell you saying hey you don't need to take all these and I knew enough to do it uh, but I do think that that's something that, that needs to be out there. And I, I know, Dick, um, in Invergrove Heights, I think you, you're you feeling that it's the patient's responsibility. I, I, I don't think that's enough. But w- what is your point, Dick?
1: Uh, thank you, Esme. Well, primarily, I I just wanted to point out the fact that the papers that come with the opiate drugs, and I've been taking them through a pain clinic for several years, clearly describe the hazards of of the particular nature of the
0: drug. But so do you yeah, read all good. the paperwork for every drug that you get?
1: If it's new, I do. Yes.
0: Okay. I don't
1: now well, because I've already read it.
0: Okay.
1: So I don't see a need to get it every time.
0: Well, Dick, Dick, I right, I've, to I've got, got to cut go you off here cuz we we we're we're, we're we're getting like towards a break, but all right. I you know, I Guess I just think that there are a lot of people and Dick obviously there are a lot of people who use these drugs, who get a lot of help and benefit. That's wonderful, but there are obviously a lot of people who do get hooked. All right, folks, we do have to take a break. You are listening to News Radio eight three oh, David Schulz is next.